All right. We're live. Another episode of a narrow talk. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have my normal microphone today. I lost a cord, but I'll, I'll just have to make do. Uh, today we have on the show Christy Lee Minahan. Um, she is the Chief Technology Officer of Core Scientific. Um, and I believe she was formerly the Director of Technology for Genesis Mining. Is that correct? Yep. Um, which was, was or is the world's leading hash power provider. Uh, she's a cryptographic engineer, and she provides her st strategic decision uh, and, and design of cryptographic algorithms in hardware, software, and blockchain applications. All right, so uh, we invite you on the show today to talk about uh, ASIC resistance um, in Monero and yeah. whether or not that is a, uh, a viable or futile strategy or whether or not ASIC resistance is even uh, an accurate term. Um, so uh, welcome, welcome, welcome aboard. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Um, well, definitely I have a lot to say about ASIC resistance. Um, so yes, ASIC resistance is a fallacy. Um, and for, for those that might, you know, stiffle up and say, oh no, no, you know, that's, that's not true. Um, every, every piece of hardware is, uh, in the hardware world is classified as an ASIC. You know, um, ASIC stands for Application Specific Integrated Circuit. And so the application is actually fixed at the point of manufacturing. When in, in, the, in the real world, when you're trying to purchase things like, you know, GPUs, CPUs, et cetera, um, you buy them as GPU ASICs, you know, CPU ASICs. Um, and so ASIC, uh, ASIC resistance, um, doesn't really work for that for that very reason that um, you you are constantly trying to defeat um, hardware. It, it just doesn't work. Um, so Monero's uh, sorry, can you can you hear me? Okay, it cut out a little bit. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Okay. So when we're talking about um, ASICs in crypto land, we're really talking about specialization. So everything you use today from, as I said before, from the CPU, the GPU, the ARM processor, even, even an FPGA, it's a type of ASIC. Because any, and any algorithm that can run on an ASIC, be it a CPU, a GPU, or F, FPGA, can have this specialized design created for it. Specialization just comes from removing unnecessary parts of the hardware. Um, so in G GPUs, that will be things like, you know, the display outputs or floating point maps. Um, so when you remove all the functionality, the metric you're trying to improve is efficiency. Um, therein. So, so for my, ahead. for my understanding, before we go further, uh, so basically what you're saying is, uh, you know, it, like, so for example, in Monero where they're looking to develop, uh, or release what's called mm -hmm. random X, I guess we could get into that, uh, mm -hmm. which would effectively eliminate what we today call ASICs would um, allow CPUs and GPUs to mine more competitively, but in essence, or essentially one of those CPUs or GPUs would in itself become the new ASIC because it would be designed for that? Correct. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Essentially? Correct. So that's why therein lies the fallacy, right? ASIC resistance is a myth because proof of work requires some form of ASIC to do the work. So when people are talking about ASIC resistance, what they're actually meaning is centralization 
uh, resistance. And that's a really important distinction for us to make, because when we want to go and define what our goal is, what Monero's goal is, we need to think about, okay, what, what are you actually trying to achieve? So correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, Monero wants to make sure that their, their chain is secured by um, the common person, you know, average Joe with his mobile phone. Um, they don't want people to have to invest in uh, GPUs. They don't want people to have to invest in FPGAs. They don't want uh, they don't want enterprises to invest in heavy duty ASICs and get all, reap all the benefits of economies of scale. And so that's a real. It's really important that we define our target hardware first, because that will define your user base and how you go about um, achieve, uh, solving that problem. CPUs are pretty tricky. So, um, and to uh, to uh, write a proof of work algorithm for because there's so many variants of them and each generation has new tricks and turns. The second part is that um, you know when we talk about cryptocurrency, ASICs or fixed function hardware, um, people seem to misunderstand how creative hardware designers are. There's no algorithm that can't have a specialized design for it, none at all. All you can do is remove that efficiency gain. Um, before we, so you, you made your, your, the point you initially made, which was mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, the end goal is really, um, to maintain a decentralized mining network for the purposes yeah. of, um, I guess, achieving censorship resistance is the, just kind of mm -hmm. the way I look at it. Um, what is your, what is your viewpoint on that? So that is Monero's goal. Um, do you think that is something that's essential for a, you know, a public open uh, blockchain that's trying to be digital money? I do. I do, actually. Um, you know, if Monero's, Monero's views are everyone should, everyone should have access to it. So therefore, a CPU is probably one of the most beneficial pieces of hardware. Um, when, you're, when you're choosing your hardware, you know, it will define your user base. And so CPUs really incentivize just common daily use, cell phones, etc. Whereas GPUs incentivize more creativity in developers, ASICs incentivize enterprises, etc. Um, so it does fit Monero's goals really well. Um, we're not there today though. I'm breaking a little bit. So in, in Bitcoin where they've kind of already, you know, crossed that path, I don't think there's any turning back, right? I mean, ASICs no. are obviously uh, run the network. What is your viewpoint opinion there? I mean, so is is Bitcoin not achieving uh, those goals? Is it is it not as censorship resistant as it claims to be? Is it is there an issue there with what it's trying to achieve? Because it's obviously also trying to be yeah. uh, sound money. Well, I wouldn't say that it's um, not censorship resistant. Just because you you know you run a data center full of ASICs doesn't mean you're trying to censor anyone. Really, you're doing it to make money. That's the whole purpose of, of proof of work um, in the mining world. So Bit Bitcoin, um, and you know, there are very different variations and everyone has their own political views. But in my mind, Bitcoin was really designed to um, benefit from specialization. Uh, SHA-256D is the weirdest algorithm to pick because not only do, do double hashes um, actually weaken the algorithm, but it benefits from people that create highly specialized circuits um, that don't consume too much power. And when we think about what we want Bitcoin to achieve, which is massive throughput, 
that, you know, rivals, rivals MasterCard, rivals PayPal, et cetera, and goes head to head with them, you actually do need some form of data center, some heavy duty data center that has the network bandwidth and that can, you know, support these machines and guarantee a certain uptime. Um, so that that is that does fit its goals. That is, doesn't mean is it becoming a problem though, where there's only so many people that can produce these machines it and is. Only so many people that are running the mining networks? It is, it is. And um, you know, this comes down to the fact that you can't readily acquire the hardware. So it used to be even worse five years ago, because the only way you were getting an ASIC was if you went to the to the shady uh, Chinese uh, street stores. Um, now they do, you know, they do allow for shipping, but even ASICs are impacted heavily by the US tariffs. It isolates a huge portion of your, your ecosystem. And there are problems with them in general. Like, I mean, uh, someone in Venezuela is most likely to have their ASIC stolen at the border. Um, so they're not they're not getting their you know their shipment of s17 or whatever they've brought um asics are usually produced by private companies usually um uh in the asian re region and that becomes a problem because not only do these companies compete with their customers so they do self-mine and i mean we've recently all seen the article about how bitmain's uh deploying two hundred thousand machines so they compete with their customers um, but also they, in general, uh, have first rights to these machines. And they isolate it as well. They always favor large uh, Chinese multinational companies or large corporations to sell to first. So average Joe doesn't, you know, get access. And we've seen a trend actually where ASICs are going to um, moving towards uh, made to order, where basically you will fund the development of that ASIC. Um, so, you know, a, a manufacturer will come to you, they'll say, hey, I need $35 million, here's my cost plus, plus profit, you'll pay the cost now, and then after you've gotten the chips, you'll pay the remaining, which is the profit. Um, average Joe isn't going to fund the development of an ASIC. So that, that's going to mean that, you know, people will not have the ability to join in the Bitcoin network, and that's quite sad, until a Fortune 500 company potentially Intel steps into, into the game and starts producing Bitcoin ASICs. Public companies have different rules and um, they can be very restrictive when you're, when you're in a public company, but they're there to protect, you know, your, your, uh, co the common, the common person. So when a public company will start making ASICs, they'll have to report everything they do. They'll have to get legal contracts for everything. There's um, anti, there's, anti-monopoly laws, there's um, anti-poaching laws, there's all kinds of different laws that will curb and hinder bad behavior. And then we'll actually see a shift of ASIC hardware, fixed function hardware, becoming accessible to average Joe. Because Intel isn't gonna go to enterprises and do a made to order. They're gonna produce and then distribute it to um, as many customers as possible. That's their bread and butter with, uh, with hardware. Um, we haven't gotten to that point yet. So Monero's re, um, goal of staying CPU based is the only way to achieve its uh, to achieve its vision today. That might change in six months. Yeah, so I guess that's that's the big question, right? So the you know Bitcoin has taken one approach, uh, mm -hmm. Monero's taking another. Is one right and one wrong, or can both essentially eventually achieve? Uh, you know this this end goal of being 
censorship-resistant digital cash? I don't think any any is uh, wrong or any is right. Um, when you peel back the layers, you find out that the whole blockchain and cryptocurrency space is actually 24-7 experimentation. That's why it's so crazy to be on the ride. So where all of us for the last 10 years have kind of been trying to figure out this digital cash thing. Um, and, you know, whoever is right will be the one that uh, stays around the longest. I will say that Bitcoin has the widest user base right now. Um, and a lot of that comes around the product, the UX, the UI, and how how many people in, um, in the real world accept Bitcoin. Monero can go down that same path too. I do believe they can live in harmony because Monero's focus is really on privacy and smaller transactions, right? And privacy is a very, very important uh, metric in a lot of uh, censorship countries. Um, and Monero's goal is really just be cash. Bitcoin can be a few few other things. You know, it can be it can be a set of scripts. It can be a set of smart contracts. It can be a creative platform. It can be very small compressed blocks. It can be very large blocks. So different goals. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Okay. So sticking with Monero then and uh, its strategy of trying to maintain this distributed mining network, um, what do you have an opinion on what the best strategy would be at this point? Uh, yes. Um, and we'll be actually unveiling that strategy at the Monero conference. Oh, okay. Are we going to um, get a little hint, a little, uh, little teaser? Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe that um, you need to extend the philosophy of, um, you know, CPUs only and, you know, average Joe um, being able to access your network to also average objects, things like, and people, people will go, this is so crazy, but things like, you know, your toaster, things like your fridge, thing, IOT, um, you want to, you want to expand the network of devices that can secure Monero. And that means you can't actually target CPUs. If you look at today, um, a thing, something like your smart TV, it actually has a very small GPU inside it and a very small FPGA. So you need to ensure that your algorithm can actually target all those different parts of hardware so that you defeat a specialized ASIC. Um, that's where I think the future of Monero should go. And when we're talking about censorship resistant, um, I often think that, you know, it you don't actually want to run away from large corporate entities or from, from governments. You want to force them to play by your rules and ensure they're punished heavily uh, for censorship. Um, and I do, I do in quite enjoy the future of a, you know, um, state level hardware securing the Monero blockchain. That would be very cool. Imagine for a moment that every squad car in America was mining Monero and contributing to verifying and, uh, and securing the Monero network. Um, that isn't something that, you know, could easily do a 51% attack because it's such low power, but you'd get so much node distribution propagation. It would be, it would be unheard of. All of a sudden, you'd have a thousand new users. Um, and collectively, they wouldn't be able to attack the network. They're just, they're contributing maybe one or two hashes per second. But that would be pretty cool. And it's not very easy to change um, the bitstream of an FPGA on these little devices. There's a whole security process. Now imagine for a moment that all of these devices are mining for the Monero blockchain and the Monero Foundation or whatever it is, whatever the embodiment of consensus is for Monero 
um, was the one that held the private keys to actually change the algorithm, to actually control these devices, so that for a, so that you wouldn't ever um, you know worry about hey what would happen if you know the government decided to fifty one percent attack Monero. Instead, it's the um, creator of the coin, it's the organization that's supporting the coin that's in control of that. Mm. It would be this really nice harmony of governments, um, governments and crypto anarchists. Um, and plus, you just you'd get so much distribution. Like I said, um, it's really hard to force people to use their CPU-based device to contribute to the Monero network. But it's way easier to think about, hey, if I if if my whatever my smart fridge is mining Monero, I don't really care. I can't turn it on or off either way. And for some reason, I'm getting a few cents per day. Great, that's wonderful. What becomes the incentive for these companies to to want to participate in that? Uh, define companies. Well, I mean, if, if if you know, little mining chips are essentially going to be in these, uh, oh. you know, um, mm -hmm. devices. Uh, why are they being put in there in the first place, or it's that they're there for other reasons? Yeah, well, they're they are there for other reasons, but they have a lot of remnant cycles. All hardware has remnant cycles. Um, it's just about how much can you can you use of that of that remnant cycle. Um, so companies will participate in it um, for various reasons. Maybe it will enable um, loaned hardware to be paid back over a certain year. So a great case study was um, there's a, there's a fantastic little company called Astral AR that builds drones that basically orbit around police officers. Um, and they have a lot of cool AI algorithms, but basically their, their goal is to get in front of a bullet before it hits the police officer, sacrificing itself, which is pretty cool. And they came to me and they said, hey, Christy, um, we, we are struggling to, to finance this hardware. You know, it's pretty expensive. It's like $3,000, $4,000 a drone. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that there's a drone in every, uh, every single uh, police office for all the local counties. We want to ensure that this is out here saving people's lives. We were like, great noble goal they're like yeah we want to mine bitcoin with it and i'm like whoa, whoa whoa hold on no 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 bitcoin is not suited to low power devices monero's algorithm however is it um it favors really low power hardware because it's so easy to compute and verify and if all of a sudden you can mine some monero um at a very competitive decent hash rate for only one or two watts why wouldn't you do it and then all of a sudden, that constant revenue stream from the drone would enable them to give out hardware and then say it would pay back over a period of two years. That's game changing for our economy. So um, in the case of like, say we take a smart TV manufacturer, why would they be incentivized to participate? Because they could take a percent of that Monero that's mined all the time. And all of a sudden their hardware is get they're getting one cent from their smart TV per day. You know, that doesn't great, that doesn't mean a lot, but then you think about economies of scale. How many smart TVs are there in America? That's a lot of excess cash. Um, yeah. And then they can pass those savings or pass some of that money back onto the consumer as well. Hey, run a Monero node and you'll, you'll get 20% off your next purchase or hey, you'll get XYZ. You know, they can incentivize participants.
And you would be surprised to find that a lot of companies actually want to participate in these really cool um, kinds of projects that further the world. Not only is it great PR, but a lot of people are inherently curious about this whole cryptocurrency craze. They want to get involved. And the idea would be that Monero, the Monero community would tweak its proof of work algorithm so that it's ideal for these devices? Yeah, or you can still, you can still, um, so, so Monero's proof of work algorithm has to be designed, um, ground up to be executed on multiple pieces of hardware. If you really wanted to force CPUs, one of the cool things you could do, um, which I'm not sure if HYC has thought about, but you could actually go to both AMD and Intel and ask them for the um, serial number format of CPUs and um, their CPUs. And you could actually say, hey, the only uh, miner that can participate on the network has to have this list of, uh, has to be one of these serial numbers. You just lock out pretty much all GPUs, FPGAs and ASICs. So if you really wanna you know, target hardware, that's a great way to do it. Um, because manufacturers, of course, hard code this into the device and you can read it. Uh, through through Linux, um, so instead they'd have to they'd have to think about okay when we're designing this proof of work algorithm what are we targeting are we targeting um, things that are programmable so do we want to put random math in there things that can be quickly compiled on the fly that benefits bitstreams uh, sorry that benefits FPGAs GPUs and CPUs. Um, or do we just want to target this one specific piece of hardware? Okay, let's go and use unique um, opcodes or unique in, um, functions um, specific to that hardware device to lock out all the others. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Monero's uh, proof of work tweaks every six months. I'm not a fan of the software developers that come in saying, oh, you'll never be able to implement this on hardware. Oh, there'll never be a huge efficiency gain. There always will be, because the reality is that it's um, for CPUs. It's actually very hard to fully saturate them. Um, I mean, think about think about your CPU today that you have in your big desktop. Do you ever reach 100% utilization across all cores? And when you do, you consume a ton of power, right? It's pretty damn hard to get full saturation. That's what you need to be able to prevent a specialized ASIC. Right. You need to need to for, mimic a CPU so um, so intimately that what you do on um, fixed function hardware would just mimic it. So right. Pretty, pretty difficult to do. That makes that makes a lot of sense, and that's why I understand your opinion now on uh, why there is no such thing as being ASIC resistant, right? Because an ASIC will always evolve. Correct. So it's centralization resistance. Right. And that mentality really needs to be changed because um, we have to define what our enemy is. You know, I don't think Monero would ever, ever be upset if all of a sudden Intel and AMD started producing Monero ASICs and they played by the rules. They distributed it to everyone and everyone could have a Monero ASIC in their home. That would and be a game changer. Does that, I mean, I understand. So now it's kind of like it's in the internet of things or it's in mm -hmm. our TVs or, but are there other issues in there? If it's just these one or two companies that are essentially producing these, you know? Pro um, well, a lot of people will say that. And the, the, 
actually for some reason people like to say hey there's more asic manufacturers than there are like gpu manufacturers or cpu manufacturers right well that's because um producing producing uh chips is actually a very expensive art and it's not quite easy um so you you don't you don't want uh you don't want so many different manufacturers you want um, people that can specialize and stay specialized in hardware design because it's something that if you if you drop out of for two weeks your competition is already caught up it requires constant tuning reiteration research um, as long as it's a public company or some company that has to answer to a higher authority and be held by the rules it doesn't prevent all corruption but it's better than things being created in secret and um, used by that entity to generate insane amounts of profit. I mean, you would never catch AMD mining with all of their hardware. They would, they would, not only would they suffer, um, you know, in insane uh, penalties, but they would have to answer to their board of directors. They'd have to claim a change in business. Their board of directors would say, what the hell is this stuff? Why are you wasting cy cycles and time on mining the shit coin? Like I, I can imagine, I can imagine the meeting now. Um, so they, they would get in a lot of trouble and they would have to also, uh, so one of the rules with public companies is when you do a massive change in business, you actually have to announce that to the public. Um, so everyone would know, know if AMD starts, you know, mining cryptocurrency, they wouldn't rest, uh, risk their, what, what are they valued at? Like a few billion, maybe more. They wouldn't risk, uh, risk all of their, um, all of their financials on competing with customers. Now a company, private Chinese company like Bitmain, nothing to answer to. They can do whatever they want. Um, the other part is that uh, yes, CPUs are only produced by two manufacturers, but there is competition in this space constantly. Um, and perhaps we don't target things like a CPU. Perhaps we go a little bit lower when we target things like an arm core where there is much more uh, competition you know perhaps we we um target some very specific form of microcontroller where many companies have tried to create one so monero just needs to figure out you know does it want to it, it's going to have to pick a side eventually you either favor private companies or you favor public companies someone has to produce that hardware I don't think Monero is going to go in the hardware design and development business. So you have to figure out, okay, who, what partner do I want in my ecosystem? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think about uh, the immediate future for Monero? So, you know, right now uh, Monero is updating every six months. Now there's talk mm -hmm. of potentially having to update, uh, you know, maybe even every three to four months. Um, to thwart ASICs. Um, mm -hmm. Then there's also talk of implementing random X, um, and then that would kind of give us some leeway, uh, some time to then, I guess, develop uh, a, you know, a proof of work that uh, would be amenable to ASICs, giving them time to develop around that proof of work. So mm -hmm. these things that you're talking about. So kind of the this immediate uh, the immediate strategy, like we would. Yeah. What should, so, what should Monero be doing now? So the first thing is, no matter how often you, tr I, I don't think people realize how fast you can build an ASIC, or sorry, how fast you can build fixed function hardware. 
Um, you could pro you can do this with a very, very intelligent team uh, and be fully taped out in 45 days. Depending on what process node you uh, have, you can you can also get your your risk uh, your risk wafers and get a very small engineering sample batch up within two months. So that would still leave you with a full month of mining. And if you've done if you've done your part right, you'd you'd still stand to make quite a lot of profit. Secondly, you can always always make a um, a bitstream and run. Uh, and use an FPGA to mine all of these ASIC resistant coins if they do not have random reprogrammability. Um, so that means that they have to have some source of um, random generation that automatically tweaks the kernel every, say, every two minutes. Something that is so painful um, because in FPGA world, you actually have to rewrite bit streams and flash it onto the device. And that, that can take a little bit of time. They have programmable, uh, sorry, they have partial reprogrammability where you can basically say, hey, I want to target this specific corner of the FPGA, recompile. But in general, it, um, you get a lot of efficiency loss for that. Um, tweaking it every, every three months is great. In, um, you know, I think they should go along that path or just jump straight to RandomX. I quite like RandomX. Um, RandomX is basically prog power for CPUs. Um, so we're, we're very much, you know, if def else, we, we love RandomX. Um, it does fit Monero's goals of being, uh, you know, centralization resistant, targeting the average Joe. Um, it's not going, it's not going to stop people with large CPU farms mining Monero. Um, like I said, specialization and economies of scale will always exist. So um, it would probably scare HYC to know how much of the world runs on CPUs today. Like there are all of your rendering today is pretty much done still traditionally on CPU farms. So thousands of cores stacked in one little area. Imagine if all of those started mining Monero. They would have a huge advantage over average Joe. Average Joe is not going to go out and buy a thousand CPUs and start mining crypto with them. Um, same with most of your, you know, your financial transactions or CPU based today. Um, so there's a lot of CPUs out in the world um, at scale that could, you know, benefit from random X. Um, however, it would let Monero get closer to its goal. Then long-term, Having a unique proof of work that no one else is going to do um, is really important to strengthen your chain. You want to ensure people stay locked into your ecosystem and that you can't have, you know, rental, rental. Um, sorry, you can't have an influx of new hash rate from another coin. Um, you know, that you're not, you're not weakening another coin's security, etc. Um, I'm not sure what is Monero trying to achieve with their own custom proof of work. Is it because they just want to be special? Is it because they eventually want fixed function ASICs to be on the network? I believe that, yeah, that is the goal. Um, you know, so random X will keep them at bay. And then in that meantime, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could publicly release the community open proof of work design um, that would give everybody kind of a fair chance to develop ASICs uh, without anybody mm -hmm. kind of having a head start. But the thing is that um, the weaker, the weaker chip makers, the weaker ASIC manufacturers, the ones that are, you know, don't have a lot of capital 
haven't raised a lot of funds will always have a disadvantage over the big giants. Um, you can't get rid of that economy of scale advantage. It's, it's, it's impossible. Um, so there won't be such thing as a head start because remember I said, if you have a really good team, you can turn around something in 30 days. No, but well, the idea, I, I guess, being that you, you give the blueprint is, is made public, to right? To everyone. Right. Yes. But um, the first, whoever gets the first ASIC out will still have the competitive advantage. They'll have market dominance. Everyone will be using their devices and they'll be re reaping all the benefits. And then other people will say, eh, we don't actually want to come into this ecosystem because, hey, there's already this big giant that dominated. There's well, I mean, no even, even if you delay the, the the start time for for implementing it, so you you put the blueprint out before, you know, you leave it out there for one or two years before you then implement that that proof of work. You can do that, but um, well, what? How how would? Okay, so Monero's chain, it wouldn't implement proof of work. Great, so people would create a mask for it. But at the same time, when you're deciding what you want to bring to market, you're always watching what your competitors are doing. So um, in the case of Bitcoin, uh, all of the ASIC manufacturers are consistently watching what their competitors are doing to the point where they might even put, um, you know, uh, moles in each, each other's company. And this actually happens all around the hardware space. It's, it's really crazy. Um, and then you'll, you'll think, hey, why would I want to go and com come to market and compete with like Bitmain over there when I know that they're just going to have the huge advantage of economies of scale? It doesn't matter how, um, it doesn't matter if you have the best possible chip whatsoever. You have to also have the cheapest chip and you have to have um, the chip that can be distributed globally. So your giant, your big, scary private company giant is still going to win in that case. Um, it might be a better route for Monero to go to actually go to one of the big semiconductor companies and say, look, we have this proof of work. Here's, you know, they raise community funds and they, they go produce an ASIC themselves in partnership with a big public company. And they can lock it. They can actually lock it so that the only way to run that proof of work algorithm is to buy this very specific ASIC. Um, and then have the public company take on the risk of distributing it globally. You know, make sure it's in every single country. That's, that's an achievement on its own. Um, most people don't realize how hard it is to get hardware in some of the less than uh, favorable areas. Like, um, like, you know, it's hard to get, it's hard to get any kind of hardware into Venezuela. It's hard to get any kind of hardware into Ukraine, um, Belarus, uh, Uganda, Estonia. I mean, it can be done. Um, and people do it all the time, but it's not as easy as say, I want to go to DHL and just FedEx my friend in Canada, a GPU. Public companies deal with all of that all the time. You know, they have large teams that handle their shipping and manufacturing and supply. So that might be a better route for Monero to say, okay, listen, you know, we, we don't really, we want to incentivize people. We want to allow people to come into our ecosystem. We'll make the algorithm open source. We'll make the blueprints open source, but we will go work with a large public company first to ensure that we will have as much user-based distribution as possible so that everyone can participate in these, these chips. Hmm. Otherwise, you know, it will just, it will repeat itself. Bitmain will come out with a Monero ASIC, be the first to market, will sell to specialized companies, and the average Joe won't have a chance to participate anymore. Right.
Um, have have you been speaking with anybody in the Monero community about these these larger strategies, or uh, are these things um, being discussed? No, okay. <laughs> I mean, I talked to uh, I talked to Mitchell uh, quite a bit. Um, he's pretty awesome. Um, so I think his handle is 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 the must on IRC, and I've talked a bit to Sarang and um, talked a bit to Tevador and uh, man, what's the uh, what's the Crypto Knight R guy? Um, he's really awesome. So like a few of them, but it's it's mostly one-off comments. Um, okay. I know. Uh, I think I believe tomorrow there's a Monero community meeting regarding mm -hmm. uh, what the uh, the strategy. You know, trying to figure out what next steps are for uh, thwarting A6, whether it's we continue to to upgrade every every three to four months, six months, mm -hmm. uh, implement random X. Will you be uh, participating in that potentially? Um, I had no idea there was a there was a meeting. I mean, if they if they want me to join, I can. All, all I can really do is give my viewpoints. Um, you know, back back six years ago when I was uh, closer. Um, into the into the uh, Monero scene, and when I was much closer to the project, I had very strong thoughts. You know, I was rah rah, ASICs must die, decentralization. Um, being out in the real world, you know, being working with businesses day to day, seeing how how it all functions, you you um you start to uh, you start to see things from different vantage points. You start to see the bigger picture of how this will work. How won't this work? Which, um, which makes for, um, you know, it's very, very, very valuable insight that I think the community, uh, community needs. Which yep. is why uh, I wanted to have you on today. I think it's, uh, it's an important point of view. So it, it's very pragmatic. Um, you, you're understanding how the world actually works. Uh, yeah. Monero is very idealistic, which is why mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to kind of come up with a solution that jives with reality. Yeah, you need to find a way to merge the two, and it's um, it's really important to for for the Monero community to embrace that. Be like, here here is the goal we want to achieve. Here's where we are to here's where we are today. How do we get from A to B? Um, and you know, it won't be an easy road. But it's it is achievable in in certain ways. There's all kinds of creative ways to go about this. So for sure, if the Monero community ever needs help, I mean Mitchell knows where to find me, or I'm pretty accessible. I mean people can still message or go to girl, so pretty accessible. And hey, if you're planning on building an ASIC or you know making a proof of work algorithm that is supposedly ASIC resistance. Resistant, you can bet I will be somewhere involved in building an ASIC for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what? What um, do you have a coin of choice then these days, or you're kind of coin agnostic, no, just more interested in the the proof of work side of things and building the the machines and that mine them. I am pretty um, blockchain agnostic. I, I look at the whole ecosystem. Like there's there's like 2,096 coins right now. Um, only about 300 of those are worth mentioning. But um, I look at the whole ecosystem as these are tools in a toolbox. And when I have a problem, I need to figure out what appropriate tool I should use. There is not one tool to rule them all. Sure, you have a tool that you favor. You know, I favor my hammer. That hammer might be Ethereum, but I'll still need a spanner, which could be Monero. I still need 
you know, I'll still need a, I don't know, a plunger, which can be Bitcoin. I don't know why a plunger came to my <laughs> mind, but <laughs> you know, you'll need, you'll need all these different kinds of tools to solve certain problems. But they're tools um, with uh, with network effects, right? So I mean, there is a little, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, money itself obviously has a large network effect. Correct. So there's this, you know, theory that there will potentially be one to rule them all, uh, just like there's kind of one potentially social network, um, mm -hmm. one or two, you know. Uh, but I, there's not I, one social network, right? We have Twitter, we have Facebook. You have all these little apps like, in, uh, I think Snapchat's hip now, Instagram. Um, you have all your messaging applications. There is never one to rule them all. Um, there is never a monopoly. Sometimes there will be, but eventually it will become a duopoly. Um, and then you think about money. Think about in the real world. Do we actually have one form of cash? We have USD and Euro and all the different kinds of fiat. But then we also have other things that become stores of value for us. We have gold, we have jewels. Um, humans will always have different forms of money and different forms of value that serve different purposes. So you buy gold when you want long-term storage um, that you know in general won't have too much volatility. Um, you buy, you buy, you can you can have jewels or whatever to pass down to your family. Um, think about it in the real world. Maybe you'll have a large stash of Bitcoin, which will go towards a um, fund for your kids to play off the volatility of Bitcoin. Um, and then you'll have, you know, you'll have Monero for if you're in a, um, you're traveling overseas and you don't really want people to know what you're buying, what you're spending. You don't really, you don't really trust the government. You're in a foreign area. You want that security. You'll use Monero. But then maybe, um, you know, when, when you want to play some video games, you're going to be transacting in Ethereum because the whole, in the future, maybe the whole uh, video gaming industry runs on Ethereum. That would actually be kind of cool. So you're constantly going to be using all these different coins um, in different ways. There will never be one to rule them all. all. And the company that thinks that will quickly fall um, out of competition. So instead, the, the way people should be thinking about this is it's one cohesive ecosystem. We all have to work together. We're all trying to solve one giant problem, which is how do we go fix the future of money? We're all trying to do that in our own different ways, and we should learn from each other and improve each other's work because that's how we get stronger and better tools. Agreed. Maybe that's just my corporate view. <laughs> <laughs> I've no, been I, I I've been trained appropriately now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I you know like I said I I do think there's a a lot to be said for the fact that uh, there are these strong network effects when you're talking mm -hmm. about creating a protocol for money. Uh, it does seem to make sense that everything should tend to one, right? Mm -hmm. it, it would be more I more ideal if everybody was using one network. Uh, but I guess the said could, same could be said for language. It would all be great if we were all only spoke English, but that's, yep. that's not the case. Um, or one programming language. Or one programming so, language. So the need will all, there will actually always be a need for a translator. So in for for programming languages, we have compilers, which are basically translators. We have translators in the language world. Maybe what we need is a translator for blockchains, a way for them to uh to talk to each other 
so that you know my Monero can be used as as Bitcoin or vice versa. That could be how you you know you create one chain to rule them all. Mm. It's pretty cool, actually. I want to go implement that idea. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> how about so back to proof of work for a second. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so I mean, the, the original goal, I think, with Bitcoin it's, itself was kind of one CPU, one vote. Um, mm -hmm. That didn't happen. Um, and now Monero is kind of trying to achieve this. Has there ever, I mean, maybe this is a very silly, silly question, but uh, has there ever been uh, attempts or thoughts about implementing kind of a human element into it? So it becomes like, like one person, one vote on the network? So I mean, yeah, right I now, proof of work is about computers mm -hmm. uh, solving solving puzzles. Uh, but are there things that humans can do that computers can't do that maybe would allow you to distribute it that way, where humans would participate in the? Uh, yeah, process? that's that is um, that could be a form of you know proof of stake or proof of authority, um, and you know there are issues with that. Um, but in proof of stake, what you could actually do is a, you could have that human element of a human needs to verify this. A human needs to sign this with his private key, then do an action on his phone. And sure, you can always automate or emulate anything a human does. But at some point you have to say, why would, why would you do that? So you could put that element to it, or you could even tie it to, um, you know, I, I really like the idea of digital identities and having um, our identity management run on the blockchain. It's a big passion of mine. So if all of a sudden that does happen, you could tie things like, you know, your your um, unique identifier, whether it's what is it in America? It's social security numbers. I mean, we have um, we have a uh, personal number in uh, Sweden. So it's tying something like that to every uh, block you mine or every, you know, everything you do. But at some point, you have to pull back and say, what are we voting on? There's actually no more. There's very rarely voting in blockchains anymore. It's actually we're just verifying things and saying, I bet my reputation. I bet my personalness. Um, so that could be pretty cool to start, you know, have making sure humans could only have one crypto wallet. Um, it would be tied to their to their some unique identifier. And that would be how they sign every block and say, hey. I verified this, I checked this. And malicious actors would be uh, pretty quickly kicked out of the ecosystem. You know, if you start verifying a bunch of transactions that are not um, not correct, that do have uh, incorrect data, or your, your, um, your minority is, um, sorry, you're your, uh, competing with the majority with an incorrect viewpoint, you'd slowly be phased out of the network and no longer allowed to participate. But then that leaves lots of thought questions about, oh, hang on, isn't that censorship resistant again? Isn't that what we're trying to avoid? Um, it's, it's really cool. Cryptocurrency has these really, really deep social problems that you have to solve as well as um, uh, te technical problems um, and financial problems. It's, it's very, very awesome technology. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> How about the so how about the energy component of it? So obviously, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bitcoin mining and Monero mining, I mean, just kind of grows in energy use over time. Yeah. 
Um, do you see that as just being the nature of things and it will always be that way in Bitcoin and Monero? Um, I, I do. I, I, so I'm really passionate about the energy uh, piece because I'm, I'm sitting, I'm living in a world where I'm seeing how those effects have changed things globally. So most people are like, oh my goodness, eight gigawatts worth of energy is used to secure the Bitcoin network. What a waste. But I'm actually seeing what it's done to the ecosystem. Bitcoin um, mining data centers have actually taught traditional data center providers how to build um, heavy, dense computational clusters for really low cost and be as energy efficient as possible. So most average Bitcoin data centers have a PUE of anywhere from um, one, uh, one, which is what Core Scientific has, all the way up to 1.2. And then you have, um, you know, traditional data centers in the real world, which can be anywhere from 1.1.3 to all the way up to 1.7, um, highly inefficient. Um, and this constant surge and demand of cheaper power, cleaner power, um, has, has forced people to get creative forced people to build their own transformers, forced people to go build their own, you know, their buildings and learn, forced people to think, uh, to do away with HVAC and think about how do we passively cool this? Um, and that has led for a lot of the Fortune 500 companies to look at this and go, hang on, that's really innovative. We should copy that. And then they improve and so on and so forth. So this cryptocurrency craze has actually forced people um, to um, to create so much innovation that's helped global computing for good. And the other part of this is traditional data centers are based for CPUs and storage. Um, do, being, ha having a GPU-based data center is actually really complex because they have a completely different thermal footprint um, and they, can, uh, they have different pressure requirements and different error requirements. Most people didn't figure out how to run a GPU-based data center. And then the crypto miners from Ethereum came in and said, well, hold my beer. Here's how you go do it. I'm going to pack a million GPUs into one, one tiny 1,000 square foot building. Um, and people are like, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. And we figured it out. You know, we're always innovating. Um, so that energy component is actually really important. One, you need to proof of work by definition is prove you've spent energy. That's what the uh, physics definition of work is. Prove you've spent energy. We see this all, all today, all in life. We see, you know, a bird flapping its wings. We know that it's it's pure in its intentions. It's not, you know, faking flying because it has to expend a lot of energy for that. Same with Bitcoin. We know someone's um, true in their intentions because otherwise, why would you spend one gigawatts, one gigawatt worth of power to fool the network? You just want it. There's no economic benefit for you. When you remove away that energy, um, that uh, energy portion, um, you have to replace it with something. Whenever you remove something, you have to replace it. So then you need to ensure that you're incentivizing participants in some other way or preventing participants in some other way to um, prevent manipulate, to not manipulate, to not be bad actors. The second portion of all of this is you can't do away with energy when you're talking about hardware. It will grow no matter what. Um, if you're going to target a certain piece of hardware, that hardware needs electricity to consume. When people get really scared about, oh my goodness, 
eight gigawatts worth of power or what does the Monero network consume? Maybe, maybe two gigawatts worth of power right now. Have a think about what Facebook consumes to power their social media network. Have a think about what Google consumes to power their network. Everything in your life uses tremendous amounts of energy. Um, and when there's this so much use, then there's this competition, this drive to create innovation and cheaper forms of electricity and it benefits us all. So you can't get away with that. And you and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be like, oh my goodness, I don't want my coin to use too much electricity because I want to benefit humanity. In essence, you're not actually making any impact on humanity. All right. Sorry to go off on a tangent there. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you on all those points, actually. I do think it's interesting that it's uh, spurring um, innovation in mm -hmm. alternative energy itself. And I guess allowing us to harvest energy uh, and uh, where where we normally wouldn't be able to, right? So uh, exactly. it, it says where we wouldn't be able to get that energy back into the grid. Now we can, uh, you know, mine cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. and, uh, utilize that energy yeah it's it's um it's actually fantastic and again i i see going traveling globally visiting traditional data centers and mining data centers sitting in this unique hybrid of blockchain and ai i see i see how these two technologies um commingle with each other and improve each other all the time um so it's easy what is, to say what is the connection there yeah we haven't talked about that at all um Oh, I mean, the, the company that you're working for. Yeah. What is this uh, connection between AI and blockchain? Um, <laughs> so at, at its root, you have data in the world. And both of these technologies handle and treat data in a different way. Blockchain is all about verifying data and storing data in an immutable ledger and storing the history of that data. AI is about how do we consume this data and find trends and patterns and correlations in that data? How do we put that data to work? They also share a lot of similarities in that the algorithms that you use over here for crypto for cryptocurrency actually mimic a lot of the workloads you use over here in the AI world. At the end of the day, it's just how do we go and push more throughput through our base hardware? You take it down a step and you think about your data center level. Um, AI and blockchain actually share the exact same data center footprint, the exact same thermals, the exact same heat. So, I mean, uh, so what Core Scientific does is um, primarily we're dedicated to um, this whole optimization layer of how do we go optimize our data centers for these two technologies? How do we go optimize our applications? How do we optimize software? And then towards the top, how do we merge these two technologies in innovative ways to create a better future? Um, and I can't talk too much about what Core Scientific is doing, but a few people are starting to figure out we're doing something. I mean, we we recently, uh, you know, we announced our partnership with NVIDIA. We built one of the world's first DGX ready data centers, which I'm super excited about. Um, and we build it in such an insane time frame because of all the all of the knowledge we'd gained from the blockchain space right. about how to go build really dense computing houses, basically, um, and how to cool hundreds of thousands of ASICs. So the idea being that the these farms would be used for 
potentially mining uh, crypto and also for computing AI or? Not mining. Yeah. So at Core Scientific, we don't do this ourselves. We're very much a, a co-location provider. So you bring your own equipment, we'll host it, we'll take care of you. Um, and we focus on the optimization layer, which is basically how do we ensure that your your whatever you're doing is the most efficient as possible using all the tricks we've learned from growing up in crypto mining, all the tricks I've learned from, you know, writing private miners, optimizing, working with GPUs. Um, the higher vision is how do we how do we merge these two technologies in innovative ways? You know, like I said, blockchain is just a store of data. People will say, oh, my God, just use a database, rah, rah, rah. But they, they're missing the point of why the blockchain is so valuable for storing that data. You want no one point of failure. And you want to use other people's energy to secure your data and to store your data and to back up and validate your data. Um, and you want to ensure that the data is continuously collected. And that gives your AI stream continuous data that it can start consuming, making, making decisions on. And then it can feed it back into the blockchain and store store it and make sure that it's accessible by other people. Huh. Um, there's there's a lot of similarities between these two technologies just because they share that root data. And so right now my my big focus is how can I how can I find those uh, similarities and combine them into a product that you know it's tangible and people can use it day to day whether it's on their smartphone or on their computer. And I'm being deliberately vague because I can't <laughs> say too much publicly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, when but, the time well, is right. <laughs> okay. Is there crossover though too with, um, you know, using, using proof of work for things other than, you know, so you're mining and in while mining, you're also achieving some other purpose. Uh, proof of uh, useful work. Um, yeah. I mean, or is that, I've, I've, I've also heard the arguments that, theoretically that that's a bad thing that proof of it, it should just be for the purposes of mining the crypto uh yeah whatever well, dynamic reasons you wouldn't want it to be performing some other function so um first off when we we talk about proof of useful work um a lot of people like to go about how sha 2560 is so wasteful um well actually it's not wasteful it's its purpose its useful work is actually securing the bitcoin blockchain so when people say proof of useful work, what they really mean is, hey, I want my I want my cryptocurrency algorithm to go solve a real world problem such as, you know, protein folding, etc. Um, it's a very noble goal, one I definitely ascribe to. It's not achievable for some reasons uh, based in hardware and software. However, um, we also have to think about how. If you're mining cryptocurrency and then you want to use a, a smaller portion of it to do something useful, um, why wouldn't you just do that useful thing and do away with the coin altogether? And why wouldn't you have that useful thing just be the way you get paid out in this store of value? Because you're still expending the sa same uh, unit of energy no matter what. So why not just do away with the mining portion entirely? Why not just go fold proteins and get paid out in a coin for it? That would be pretty cool. But the myth that there's useless work needs to be uh, done away with. Proof of work is inherently useful. Proof of burn, however, is wasteful. Um, definitely, you know, we don't want proof of burn where you're just, you know, burning, burning shit just to prove, hey, you know, I, I put skin in the game. 
Um, so proof of work is inherently useful. Uh, there is significant problems with how people try and treat this today. You know, a big topic in the GPU world is how do we go render on all these GPU cards? How can we use the blockchain to render things? Um, and, you know, GPU miners really, really are pushing for this. The reality is, hey, no one's going to go render their Hollywood scene on Billy Bo uh, Joe Bob's uh, GPU card in his basement. Um, there are real world security issues with that. There are performance issues. Um, and we just simply do not have enough connectivity globally where we can pass terabytes of data over the internet in milliseconds. Hmm. Um, we're not, we haven't advanced yet as a civilization and our technology hasn't advanced to enable us to do that. Instead, a better way of treating this is the blockchain just acts as a distributed job server. It finds and connects data centers and clients. That's a better way to do it. And in that role, you're not passing data through the blockchain. You're just actually having it be a matchmaker of sorts. Much better way to go around it. Um, and then another big uh, topic of discussion comes up with, uh, you know, there's there's one coin, I forget what its name is, but it does Monte Carlo simulations all day. Great. That's wonderful. It doesn't mean that it's any less uh, useful or any more useful than SHA-256 over there. Um, it would be very cool to have a way to monetize um, forms of genome sequencing or protein folding um, on the same scale as folding at home. That'd be that'd be quite cool, actually. And to have um, you know everyone in the everyone in the global economy participate in that. Potentially jewel mining, you know, mine yeah. SHA two five six while you're also contributing. Well, that won't work, but mine Monero while you're also contributing to protein folding. Get double the payouts be pretty cool so i yeah. hope that answers your question yes it's, it's... <laughs> um do you have any uh this is this kind of random but it is a comment that's coming in question any opinion on mimble wimble and grin maybe from the perspective of how they handled their proof of work and are dealing yeah so um grin grin handled it in a very unique way in which they said listen we don't actually know which hardware piece is better. We don't know which to favor. We actually want both kinds of participants, both enterprise and both average Joe. So we're gonna split the algorithm. The problem came with the fact that once again, the proof of work algorithm designers were not hardware engineers. So they inherently misunderstood how to go and make, how to go and make an ASIC, not an ASIC resistant, um, an ASIC tuned algorithm and a GPU tuned algorithm. So I think that the uh, ASICs that are going to exist um, in, you know, in a few months time will actually be, be capable of being on the uh, Cuckoo Cycle 29 chain as well as the Cuckoo Cycle 31. And even worse, once we get down the road, I think people mis uh, misunderstand how flexible or how reprogrammable you can make a fixed function piece of hardware. Now, at some point, you know, it falls out of that, um, it falls out of that cryptocurrency ASIC bucket and blends over to a GPU or an FPGA. But um, there's a lot of innovation in the space of making 90%, you know, memory-based chips that are able to um, reprogram their data paths in one clock cycle. They're expensive, of course, so they're not very feasible for average Joe, 
but you know the the research and and the work is being done today um the other thing is that um so i i'm i'm completely in alignment with grin's way of how they handled it um you know in in theory um they just needed to spend some more time on understanding how you could go make a proof of work algorithm that achieves their goal um you know one of trump's big things is he didn't believe it was possible to do a single chip asic for cuckoo cycle 31 and then vorik recently came out with his post and was like hey i figured out how to do a single chip uh single chip asic i win <laughs> and trump was like wow okay you know i i admit i admit failure um it's a personal pet peeve of mine i always believe proof of work algorithms should be designed by hardware designers with the help of cryptographers rather than software developers with the help of cryptographers um i don't understand grin's inflation really i don't understand grin's application or its user base or why it exists as a coin um but i'm very fond of the algorithm itself it's it's beautiful uh, algorithms are pretty much like music so grin is grin is quite beautiful in that way um i don't think monero should consider using it you do not want to reuse algorithms ever for a chain especially when you're in a top 10 when you're a top 10 currency um i think you should embrace harmony mining figuring out a way to ensure all hardware is on the network potentially by making it so that the algorithm change changes based upon what hardware is pinging the network that could be pretty cool actually um and you could achieve that quite easily through things called asic ids which are like unique identifiers on little pieces of on every silicon out there today be it no matter what even a little microcontroller has an asic id you can read that and then you could um adjust your algorithm that it feeds the card to verify that could be pretty cool that would be a way to you know uniquely um secure the monero network and say that everyone can participate and then a gpu is only competing with a gpu card a cpu is only competing with the cpu they all get paid proportionally to how much um work they've contributed but you know the asic isn't competing against the gpu it's just competing right. against other asics could be pretty cool to do pretty easy to achieve actually as well um is that being discussed do you know have you discussed that no. at all No that was just like a 5 minute in my head thing. <laughs> <laughs> happy happy to go work with the team to implement it. It's actually a really cool idea. Um I'm really passionate about unique identifiers. It's like my thing. So I love ASIC IDs ever since I discovered them on GPUs and I'm like obsessed with them. I use them for controlling all of my personal shit as well as all of my uh you know private shit and anything in my in my job today. Huh. So but that would actually be really achievable. Um yeah, maybe maybe we should take that a step further and actually implement that. Be it would be cool actually. Very cool. Um yeah, like I said to yeah, uh, tomorrow is uh is a Monero community meeting. Uh I don't know what your schedule it is. It, it would be awesome to see you in there chatting it up. Yeah. On the Monero they, IRC. On the IRC. Oh, I, I see. Believe so. I believe that's yeah, I believe that's where the the meeting's happening. Um and they'll just be discussing uh all these things uh Monero's ASIC resistance and uh future strategies. Um, I will definitely uh I'll I'll chill if if you're able to pass me the details I'll I'll chill on there. All right, that'd be great. Yeah.
Can't promise um, I'll have anything insightful, but I'll be I'll be hanging around, and if people ping me, I'll give my opinions. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. I, uh, um, this was do you have anything else you want to cover? I know you're you're going to be at the Denver, the Denver conference for Monero. Yep, where I'm. Uh, so I'm really excited for that. I finally get to announce something I've been working on for six months now, um, which is going to, I believe, is going to really benefit Monero. Um, and before yeah, anyone we'll asks, you know, on a bit. That's what yeah, we're, yeah, okay. a piece of it. Before okay. anyone asks, it's not an ASIC. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm really excited for that, and I'm excited to um, you know listen to all of the great speakers. I'm really looking forward to any of the uh, cryptographic panels. That'll be awesome, and um, yeah, it's it, it's going to be fun. Uh, so you guys should definitely join if you want to see the future of what Core Scientific is doing and how we're shaking up the the blockchain ecosystem. Very cool. So, where, yeah, where can people find you and um, more about what you're working on? Hopefully they don't want to find me. Uh, well, find <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if people ever want to reach out to me, uh, Twitter is really, really good. Um, a great way to talk to me. So you can go to at Ogotagirl. Um, and uh, yes, I'm, I'm in the news quite frequently now because of ProgPal and will they, won't they adopt it? And, you know, the whole Ethereum ecosystem. Um, people can search my name and read up all the conspiracy theories about how I'm currently funded by NVIDIA and Intel and AMD at the same time, which is great. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here waiting for my paychecks. I'm like, why do I even bother working? I can just sit here and get funded for, for existing. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you ever want to strike up a conversation about proof of work algorithms, uh, ping me on Twitter because I'm always, always excited to engage with people about, about this and about um, how we can make sure that blockchain and cryptocurrency has a real world impact. Awesome. Thank you. Are you going to any other, are you going to be going to the magical crypto conference or the? Yes, I am. I am a speaker there, I think. Fluffy Pony just hit me up on Telegram and he's like, hey, Christy, come join, come join our uh, speaker session. I'm oh, like, that's great. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'll be going there. I think I'll be heading to Consensus as well. Um, I have to confirm, but I think I had a speaking spot there as well. Um, and I am going to the Mining Disrupt Conference in Miami and there's like a whole whole list of them. So generally I like to poke around and um, see what, see what I'm, see what I can contribute and what I can learn. All right. So I look forward to meeting you because we'll be at the magical crypto conference and then we'll right also, on. also be in Denver. So look forward to meeting right you. In person. Looking forward to meeting you too. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. And Thank uh, you so thanks much. For, your, uh, for your brain power. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye.